Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The first thing that jumps out is he's athletic. He's got good speed. That was confirmed when he ran 4-3 at the combine. And it's not just speed you see, you know, in shorts at the combine. That 4-3 speed you see on tape, he can separate. Uh, I know Mike Furry's excited about working with him and making him a better player. Bears interim GM Ryan Pace. Talking about Darnell Mooney. All that speed and precise route running and why wouldn't he be taken in the first round? I don't know. Let's see if we can get an answer to that. Usually the answer is doesn't have hands. Let's find out. Joining us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Joining us on the score from NBC Sports Chicago is J.J. Stankovitz. J.J., how are you? I'm great. How are you guys today? We're doing good. So the whole Mooney thing, why was he available? What, what with, with that speed and that precise route running, usually it comes down to he doesn't have the hands. The Bears went through this with a guy named Jack Jackson. 20 years ago, and if you got that much speed and you're taking that late, there's a big issue. So what's, what is the issue, and if not, why was he still there? He's small. I mean, that's, that's the start of it. Um, he probably needs to bulk up a little bit to really compete with NFL cornerbacks. Um, you know, he's a guy who can do one thing really well, which gets you into the draft and gets you into the conversation, but you know, he's going to probably have to put on a little more muscle and be a little more physical to really be a, a guy who's anything more than just sort of a, a one-trick pony you can run a go-route or a post downfield. I mean, you look, look at what Taylor Gabriel did. He obviously was not the biggest guy, but that dude was tough. He, he was physical for his size, and he could go make contested catches. I don't think Darnell Mooney right now, you can count on him to do that just because you know, he's a fifth-round pick and a guy who was probably on the borderline of being drafted uh, coming into the draft. So, look, I, I know it's really easy to fall in love with these guys when they get picked and you watch the highlight reels of him against Auburn and all that, but there's a reason why I fell to the fifth round, and it's, it's because he's small and he will – NFL cornerbacks will probably want to match up against him until he shows he can either beat them with his speed consistently or he can bulk up and be a little more physical. So, so that said, J.J., the guy that they just brought in does both speed and NFL experience, and it's Ted Ginn Jr. What role does he play, and how big of a part of the offense do you think that he will be asked to be this year? So I, I'm interested, Mark, in the, the kind of speed competition 
that the Bears have sort of built between Ted Ginn, Darnell Mooney, and then Trevor Davis, where they signed they signed Mooney or they, they drafted Mooney, they signed Ginn and Davis because they're fast. And Ginn obviously is the longest track record, but to go back to Steve's original thing talking about hands, Ted Ginn does not have a reputation of having very good hands. So I'm interested to see what the Bears do and how many of those guys they wind up keeping. If it's one, if it's two, if it's three, you know, I'm not sitting here telling you that Ted Ginn is definitely going to make the Bears roster, just like I'm not sitting here telling you that Darnell Mooney is definitely going to make the Bears roster. Those guys are still going to have to earn their way on it. They're going to have to beat out Javon Wims and Riley Ridley to get onto the roster. Uh, But what the Bears have done is created a lot of competition near the bottom of that receiver room going into training camp where, you know, we know Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson and Cordero Patterson are going to be on the team. But after that, I don't think any of the other guys are guaranteed a roster spot, whether that's Riley Ridley, whether that's Ted Ginn Jr., whether that's Darnell Mooney. Every one of those guys is going to have to earn their way onto the roster, and that's a really neat thing for Mike Fury to have. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios here on The Score talking with J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago. You On Thursday, this posted, you're talking about the, the still curious, controversial, um, questionable decision, Ryan Pace to pay a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles for a team that was draft pick challenged to start with. And we saw Andy Dalton get cut, and Jameis Winston was out there, and Cam Newton's still out there. And you make the case that the Bears did not make a mistake. So share with the class how you came to that conclusion, J.J. So I came to the conclusion because if the Bears had waited out the quarterback market, it would have had a number of different ramifications. But the first one that I, I thought of is that it wouldn't, we would be sitting here saying, well, Mitch is probably the starter no matter who they sign whether it was Jameis Winston, whether it was Andy Dalton, whether it's Cam Newton, if you wait until April 30th, May 1st, to sign your second quarterback, you're sending a message that the incumbent starter is not going to lose his job. The second thing is, so specifically with Jameis Winston, I saw this going around Bears Twitter last week, where you know people were saying, well, you know, the Bears guarantee Nick Foles $21 million and Jameis got $1.1 million from the Saints, like, that's ridiculous that the Bears didn't go sign Jameis Winston. But that completely misses the fact that Jameis Winston would never have signed for the Bears for $1.1 million. It might have taken $8, 9 $10 to get him here when there was never a market for that. So they would have overpaid Jameis Winston to get him to Chicago because he's not signing with one of the five or six worst offenses in the NFL to try to resurrect his career. He's signing – with the team that just got Teddy Bridgewater $60-something million and consistently has had one of the best offenses in the NFL for the last decade. So the, the Jameis thing doesn't even matter to me. when he, And that's not even talking about the, the rest of the, the quarterback market and, and the rest of Jameis's career, which should disqualify him from consideration to even be in a competition with anyone. So – then, you know, go over to Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's a worse quarterback than Nick Foles. I don't think there's any question about that in my mind. Andy Dalton is not as good of a quarterback as Mitch Trubisky. If you look at their passer rating over the last three years, Mitch's is better. Andy Dalton's in his 30s. Mitch is in his 20s. I'm going to ride with Mitch on that one. And then Cam Newton, if you were to sign him and get him in the building, what if he shows up hurt? Then you're not having any chance at changing your quarterback. 
So what Nick Foles does is allow the Bears to have a true open competition to see who their next quarterback will be because he's going to walk in knowing a baseline level of this offense. He doesn't know the ins and outs of it, but he walks in having operated a general version of this in Philadelphia and also in Kansas City. So that allows him to hit the ground running in a way that none of those other quarterbacks would be able to do, which means Mitch Trubisky is your likely starting quarterback because he shows up knowing the offense in a year where there are no OTAs, no minicamp, no springtime in-person practices to install the offense. So, look, Steve, I can go on and on and on about this, but I would just recommend anyone who disagrees with me go read my article on NBCSportsChicago.com about it where I kind of lay everything out because I don't think it is fair at all to say the Bears misread the quarterback market in trading for Nick Foles and guaranteeing him that money. I think they read it fine. They got a guy who Matt Nagy clearly trusts, and that's what counts the most. JJ, I think the other part of it, too, the the urgency to sign Nick Foles, and I agree with you, is that if the reports are true that they tried to or they made an offer to Teddy Bridgewater, and he obviously turned it down to, to go elsewhere, that they were in a position where they had to strike, that they couldn't, that they were not in a position of strength in which to bargain or to hold out for guys. They they probably had their list of guys and they had to get a guy. This was just not something they could screw around with and, and know anything about what the market was going to turn out to be. So I believe they had to go out and strike on Nick Foles and just not play games at this point. Yeah, I mean, the, you're in a situation where your quarterback has to be better in 2020 And if you're going out there trying to game the market into getting a cheaper quarterback, which, by the way, it's not like signing Nick Foles prevented the Bears from doing a lot of things they wanted to do. They still gave Robert Quinn a huge contract. You know, you can criticize the Jimmy Graham signing all you want, but they went out and they were able to get the tight end they wanted. Um, You know, maybe they could have got Austin Hooper potentially, but you also could have made his contract work, whatever it may be. And then in this kind of third wave of free agency, going out and getting to Sean Gibson, I think is a fantastic move to bolster the rest of that defense. So I, I don't think them going and getting Nick Foles really changed a lot of their other plans in a significant way that going around and messing around and waiting for the Bengals to cut Andy Dalton, because also it's easy to say right now, yeah, you should have waited for that. But what if the Patriots came in with a, a seventh round compensatory pick in 2030 the Bengals probably would have taken it for Andy Dalton instead of cutting him. So it's, you're absolutely right, Mark. Just messing around with this is not what the Bears needed to do here. You can go mess around with it if you're the Saints. You can go yeah. mess around with it if you're a team that's in a position that they don't desperately need better quarterback play. That's where you can go mess around with the quarterback market. Talk with J.J. Stangovitz, NBC Sports Chicago, here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. So it looked like the Bears, like Ryan Pace drafted as though this were a win or walk year and make the playoffs or else year. They should be, especially with an additional playoff spot available, they should be there. They, they, I can't imagine the excuses if they aren't, but I think he drafted with that in mind. I'm not sure he drafted best player available and I understand why he would draft best at our position. What do you think he did, JJ? Um, I think Ryan Pace has actually a a pretty good history of drafting 
like letting his needs guide him, but not totally dictate what he's going to do. So the Ryan Pace filled some needs in this year's draft by getting Cole Komet, by getting Jalen Johnson. Those are two pretty significant needs the Bears had for a wide tight end and then a, a number two cornerback to play opposite Kyle Fuller. So he filled those in the second round. And then the third round, you know, going out and getting to Sean G- or, uh, Travis Gibson, sorry, the other T. Gibson, uh, did, did fill a need for a rotational edge rusher with the Bears, which the Bears are kind of missing. Um, you know, he's more of a project. He's probably fourth or fifth on the depth chart. Um, but that does fill a need. Then you go out and get Kendall, Kendall Vildor, a cornerback who can at the very least be an early special teams contributor, but also a guy who I'm interested to see what they do with him. If he backs up Buster screen at the nickel, if he backs up Kyle Fuller on the outside, um, he's got a versatile skill set and a really good knack of competitiveness that I think is going to make him stick in the NFL. And then Darnell Mooney, they went out and they tried to address speed. So I think with those five picks, Ryan Pace went out and addressed some needs with some guys with upside. And, you know, look, he couldn't address all of the Bears' needs. He couldn't address offensive line safety, tight end, wide receiver, edge rusher, inside line, backup inside linebacker. Like, you couldn't address all of those things in this year's draft without a, a, you know, significant number of picks. But I think what he did, it was a good draft. I gave him kind of, I think I gave him a B plus when we were rating it on the Under Center podcast, just kind of the initial uh, draft reaction. And I think I'd, I'd probably stick with that, looking at it a little bit more. Um, I don't think he reached for any projects like Adam Shaheen or Kevin White or any of those guys. I think he went with just kind of safe college picks. And when he's done that, in the past, whether it's been Cody Whitehair, Eddie Goldman, or Roquan Smith, you know, those guys, they've panned out. And I think that's, that's the most encouraging thing about this draft is that when Ryan Pace goes and just gets good college players, they usually turn out to be good pro players. So if you're looking for a reason to be encouraged about the Bears draft, that would be one of them. Okay, obligatory Mitchell Trubisky, fifth-year <laughs> option question. The Bears have until Monday to make that decision. I, I, I find it intriguing, J.J., that the, the two big national heavies, um, Schefter and Rappaport, have conflicting opinions that that one says that he, I think it was Schefter, has heard that, it, that they're not going to pick it up, and Rappaport at least says he thinks that they should and might. I know we've talked to you about this before. Where are you with it right now? So I don't think the Bears should pick it up. Um, you know, they if Mitch goes and balls out this year, they can put the tag on him. They can negotiate an extension. It's, it's what they did with Kyle Fuller two years ago, where there, there wasn't a reason to tag him before the 2017 season. So... They let him play out that year. He played really well. He earned the contract he got. Um, you know, but before that, the Bears put the transition tag on him. I think if Mitch were to go and play out of his mind this year and become the guy the Bears thought and hoped he would be a couple years ago, then, yeah, I, I think the, it, it won't change anything that they're not picking up the fifth-year option other than a couple million dollars difference between the franchise tag and the fifth-year option. But at that point, if, you're, if, you're, if Mitch is on the roster in 2021 
and you decline to sit your option, he has earned it and he's worth the money. So it's not a concern if it's an extra couple million there. Uh, picking up the option, though, leaves you with a lot more risk in this situation because if you do that and, say, Mitch struggles and then gets hurt, that option is guaranteed for injury only. But if, if Mitch is able to you know, get that money in 2021 by virtue of you know, something bad happening and him getting hurt in 2020, then the Bears are, are basically screwed in terms of their cap next year because you're paying – for a guy in Trubisky who at that point will have shown over four years he's not effective and you're going to be paying him 24-something million dollars. So to me, there's just too much risk in picking it up. I know this is the last year that it is guaranteed for injury only so they could rescind it as they did with Leonard Floyd. But to me, it's just kind of unnecessary risk at this point. Um, and I think, too, not picking it up continues to send a message to Mitch that, hey, this is, this, everything's on the line for you this year. And let's just kind of see how you perform with your back up against the wall because we just we brought in Nick Foles. We, we let you know how we feel about you with that move. And now we're telling you we're not guaranteeing you anything in 2021. You're going to have to earn it with your play in 2020. If that lights a fire under Mitch and he turns out to be a, a better quarterback than he's been over the last three years, then who cares if they didn't pick up the fifth-year option? He'll be on the team in 2021 and more likely he'll be on the team for a longer stretch of time than that. It's one thing to, to have to rely on that. You would think that, that it, all the scouting they did, all the secrecy, all the, the, the price they paid in draft capital to get, to get him, that, that would, they wouldn't have to wait to the end and find out that they really have to pressure him into performing. And it kind of looks like a guy who couldn't beat out a, an XFL quarterback two years running um, to play quarterback at North Carolina. I, I just seems, it seems that all of Ryan Pace's judgment assessments at the most important position would be enough to take him out of the job. Do you have any sense that this is Ryan Pace's last year? If Mitch doesn't work, they don't make the playoffs. I, I would highly, highly doubt that this is Ryan Pace's last year. I mean, Never say never. Something could go completely haywire. It could go two and fourteen, and all of a sudden the McCaskey family has to say, "Okay, we got to take a look at this." But I, I don't get the sense inside Hallis Hall that the Bears are can, are looking or itching to get rid of Ryan Pace. Same with Matt Nagy. I think they they like what he's done overall. And yeah, he's you know the, the Mitch thing has been the biggest, most high profile myth. But other than that, I think the Bears do like what he's done, and I don't think they're, they're looking to just kind of get rid of him after this year. I think part of it, too, is, you know, look, they, they got rid of Phil Emery really fast, and they got rid of Jerry Angelo, and I don't know if they want to be the team that's just turning through general managers. You know, it would be four in the span of a decade, which isn't really great for a franchise, no matter what you do. So I think that plays into it, but, you know, I, I don't think – the Bears are in a position where Ryan Pace is going to be gone after this year. I, I think that he's going to have a chance to probably draft another quarterback, which is what would happen in 2021 if things don't go the way that they're hoping this year. Uh, and that might be kind of a, a worrying proposition for some Bears fans out there, but I think the, the, they as a team are not really itching to just kind of get rid of Ryan Pace right now. 
No. Um, two two four texter, by the way, while we let uh, Steve um, no. unwind because he's very very concerned about the notion of another draft pick quarterback. But uh, JJ, a texter, says uh, JJ is multi-dimensional, doing bears talk while burping the baby. Impressive, and I'm like the baby. There's two babies. Well, so. I really hope that you guys couldn't hear what happened in the middle of my answer about um, it was a couple answers ago where I'm sitting here and I was, so I was feeding my baby Henry, one of my twins and Henry pooped a lot. And I'm not sure if he blew out of his diaper. This might be TMI, uh, but I'm unclear if I've been, I'm unclear if I've been doing this interview sitting in poop for half of it. So when I talk radio, I'm going to have to go check that and see if we see what's going on, if I need to, like, take a shower or something. All right, we'll, we'll let you go, JJ. We really appreciate the fact that you were willing to play hurt, although you're not sure you played hurt, but we appreciate the fact that you're willing to play hurt, and we'll let you get on with that, okay? Any, anything for you guys, even if it means sitting in uh, <laughs> a very, very dirty diaper, right now i by the way that, hey, that's not wrong i am i do not have a dirty diaper my kid does and i think i need to go take care of it you know that's perfect for our show i mean even in a figurative <laughs> sense we are the dirty diaper of the score no, yes we are not. it's saturday suckage and it brings on all sorts of visuals and you've you've added to it jj you'll always be welcome here whether your hands full whether you're lactating whether your diaper's full <laughs> so we we appreciate everything you do for us, JJ. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Stephen Mark. You guys have a good one. All right. See you, man. JJ Stankovitz, NBC Sports Chicago, and Henry and the Do you know the? I only hope his other twin's name is Aaron. I would hope he named his kids Henry and Aaron. That would be great, wouldn't it? Wow, that'd be pretty cute if he did that. I don't think he did. I can't no. remember the other. He almost pooped himself. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's great. We had we've had guys coming out of the toilet. We've had guys. No, we, <laughs> this is wonderful. Oh, um, perfect. Like yeah. Speaking of Henry Aaron, um, the there's some baseball things. Can we discuss that? There is a baseball has a new plan for divisions, and there were two things about Cubs right fielders that came up this week that I think you and I need to discuss. Let's talk. All right. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday Suckage and Saturday Poopage in some form. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. Shopify powers 10% of all e commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award winning 24 7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast poop everywhere out there so yeah quite a few textures the tech zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin, save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And they've done a wonderful job of dealing with, responding to, of having their way with J.J. Stankovitz's son, Henry, and apparently his epic poop, tying it to Saturday Suckage. And there's one texter who thought he said Hendry and was worried Oof. about wetting the bed as opposed to soiling his shorts so welcome and welcome back saturday suckage and all manner of that i'm steve rosenblum he's mark grody so there was there's no baseball now they're trying to figure out how to play baseball and when they do how they're going to play it, where they're going to play it and they the latest plan mark involves three 10 team divisions the cubs and Sox would be in the central division along with the Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers. Cubs, Sox, Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers. That's your central division. Top four teams in each division make the playoffs. So when you read this, what did you think? A couple things that no matter what plan they pick this year for baseball, if baseball gets played, let's say it starts in July, Major League Baseball is going to be awesome this year because there's going to be some outside-of-the-box plan. There's going to be a limited number of games or a furious pace of games and a fast finish to the to the playoffs. It's gone, No matter what baseball does, it is going to be a historic awesome, exciting, adrenalizing baseball season like you've never seen before. Um, As far as that particular plan is concerned, I like it. But here's the thing. I don't like to get emotionally attached to these plans because the second we digest them, there is another plan that comes out the next day. And I like that, too. And I want that. So I don't (laughs) I don't allow myself to become committed, Steve. Well, I I. I respect that. I, um, as a, a man with commitment issues as well, I respect that, mm-hmm. and I and I understand why. Uh, and this would involve playing in 
in-home parks and trying to minimize travel and and they're trying to figure out there there's several things at play here and health is first second third and fourth in all of those and there are all sorts of contingencies you can't even imagine that they would that that will happen and they're trying to imagine them all and good luck with that the um the thing i like about the plans is they are all blueprints going forward if there is ever a return to normal new normal if there are ever a chance to play baseball games that fans can attend and i still come back to this in this day and age if it's safe if it's unsafe for fans why is it safe for ball players and to do all the tests that they're going to get take away from people who need to be tested which would be doctors or citizens who are showing symptoms does that deprive them of clearly there's not enough tests and you got states fighting to get tests and doing it under the cover of darkness and trying to hide it from the federal government there's a there there are deceitful despicable acts going on that you'd never think you would see in a pandemic if we're all in this together let's act like it but on a sports show as we talk about this what if everything was normal and i i know you don't want to get committed to this or act like you're emotionally involved but what if it were a 10 team division we used to see eight team divisions before um, baseball started really expanding and you had the cubs and Sox playing I don't know of the hundred games i think eight eight games every this in this but if they played more what if they were in the same division every year would you miss the separation of american national league would you nope. be happy with this kind of setup well i okay i guess i would probably miss it a little bit just as a as somebody who obviously grew up with american and national and, and enjoying uh-huh. the separation of powers but if i had a vote i would i would check yes right away i think it'd be an absolute blast to have the cubs and the white Sox, and you know obviously all midwestern teams jammed into a division and made the best team win i think that that would be a lot of fun and i know like uh, it takes a lot of of energy when the cubs and Sox play when i what i mean by that is not just from a media standpoint because there is a lot of energy invested into it but i think from a fan standpoint too you have to it seems like fans comport themselves differently for those four days or six days or whatever it is on a year-to-year basis let's make this thing real as opposed to just being novel because right now cubs playing the white Sox is more or less a novelty and you know what we don't need random interleague play anymore either like where you have a tampa bay rays cincinnati red series you know like that just like at first there was maybe a tinge of novelty to that but that is that is worn off um heavily so yeah steve i i would definitely support the cubs and the Sox and doing a big jam-packed division like that me too and one thing i found out because i went and looked and when i saw the braves in the central division i thought well, but the pirates have always been have not always but the pirates have been part of the central division for what what we're dealing with now in the three three division setup atlanta is actually more central meaning more west than detroit than cleveland than cincinnati than pittsburgh which i didn't know not that i'm a geography major but 
I looked that up and I thought, oh, okay, now I understand why the Braves are there and the two Florida teams are in the East. So there was a couple other stories that came out about your Cubs, involving Mm. your Cubs, Cubs right fielders. Am I the only one who didn't know, or are you with me? Are you like me, Mark Rohde? Did you not know that Andre Dawson was a funeral director? I did not know this. I heard that relatively. I did know that, but I only learned that within about the last year or so. I learned it in the last day or so. Bottom line, yellow. Very weird, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is. I didn't. And and there'd be reason to talk to him if you knew what was going on. There'd be reason to talk to him because of, you know, I mean, the, the funeral business has changed the way everything else has changed. But Andre Dawson owns and operates the Paradise Memorial Funeral Home in Richmond Heights, Florida. And he was saying you have to change the way you remove the deceased. You have to magnify your precaution because you can never be too safe. We have procedures to adhere to, putting hazmat suits on, constantly sanitizing vehicles, sanitizing the facility itself. People are dying at home and they have not been tested. Andre Dawson is a funeral. I didn't. I did not know this. This just knocked me over. You know, as I thought about that when I learned that, he, his demeanor probably makes for a perfect funeral director because there is a sincerity to his his resting face. There is an earnestness to it. There's a seriousness to it that I could see coming across very well to the survivors of those dealing with the deceased, the departed. So I actually, while it seems like a really odd place to invest one's money, I bet Andre Dawson is a great funeral director. You're right. His regular face always, uh, it was, there, there was a ferocity about it. But yeah, he would naturally default to, to that to that look to the he's way soft you spoken you know what moment. i mean like a soft spoken yeah. guy like kind of whispers when he talks and doesn't really yeah. project like that like sitting in a room with people planning a funeral for their loved one who has died i mean my god i'm thinking about this right now and uh andre dawson sounds like the guy give him your business <laughs> okay so the other <laughs> thing about a cub right fielder in light of the last dance and the way it finally made its Finally saw the light of day in film and our televisions because Michael Jordan said so. There has been, there is a 30 for 30 documentary on 1998. The end of the Bulls was the beginning of Sosa, McGuire, and the great home run race. Mm. And I don't know anyone who's seen it. Paul Sullivan wrote about it this week in the, in, uh, the Tribune. And... We don't know what's in there. We don't know what... Uh, McGuire's already admitted to what he's done. Sosa doesn't claim to... won't admit to do anything, and that seems to be what the Cubs will demand of him before they give him the big Cubby group hug. And I am anxious to see this to see what he says. I know there have been attempts to do this before, but um, I think it was uh, NBC Sports Chicago thought they had a chance to sit down with him, and they did. And he said, oh, we're not talking about anything involving PEDs or whatnot. So what do you think is in there? What do you think he'll do? 
And does it matter to you as a Cub fan, as someone who certainly remembers Sosa and, and remembers that summer, does it matter to you? I think he means a lot to people younger than me. I'm 48. I have gotten the feeling that people who grew up watching Sammy Sosa, like people in their 30s now, they love, love Sammy Sosa and to some degree are willing to look past the indiscretions with PEDs, the cork bat incident, the bolting incident, all those things. Um, so I think one thing that the Cubs have always done well is listen to their fans, to what fans want from a mass audience. And if they feel, and I don't, I don't have a good feel for what, where the fans are right now. If the fans are comfortable with Sammy Sosa, I think that they ought to bring him back and not screw around with all this apology business and just let it be. But if they feel like if, if the powers that be with the Cubs feel that their fans are still embittered towards Sammy Sosa, then I, I get it. Um, but if, if not, like it, if it feels like the, the majority of the fans are cool with it, then I think you got to bring them back apology or no apology, especially considering, you know, a, like, like Manny Ramirez was in the, or traveled with the Cubs. He was Starlin Castro's buddy. Um, when I was when I was there, and we know that he's had multiple accusations against him and mm-hmm. convictions, really. So I don't know. It's a compl- I, I would not have a a problem with it. I think it'd be a hell of a story. I think it'd be really fun to have Sammy Sosa back in the organization. It, and it just comes down to I don't know. Do you have a good idea of what the majority of of fans feel at this point when it comes to? To Sammy Sosa, do you think that they they need this? Are, are are fans indignant at this point towards Sammy Sosa still because of the things that he pulled? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what if there's been actual focus groups convened. I don't know if they've they've hewed to the results. If they've if they've done if if it might be a personal thing for for Tom Ricketts if if he wants certain things done when you. You know, the golden rule, he who has the gold makes all the rules, and maybe he just wants it that way. I <clears throat> never got the feeling that the fans needed anything from Sammy Sosa except the next at-bat, and I always thought this was a right. Tom Ricketts thing that I that I was, I, I found interesting for a guy who fell in love with his team that, that had nothing going for it, and then they had this, this summer of Sammy, and then certain, what we believe, truths came out, um, certainly about other players. And he was suspected of that. When your head size grows, you're going to be suspected of that. And maybe he just felt, baseball fans have a way of, you know, numbers are, are glorious and precious and sacred. And maybe... Tom Ricketts felt that what he was watching and part of what he fell in love with was a fraud. True or not, maybe that if that's the way he felt and he feels deceived or betrayed, the only thing that ameliorates that to whatever degree is an apology or an admission. And that's kind of where it stood. I've never talked with him about it, and he's been rather oblique in his comments, but that's the impression I've got. I was going to ask you if you were around them and if there were whispers of of focus groups and information the fans feel X, and that's why they're doing this. 
Yeah, I, I I don't remember that, and I feel like as this is another one of those classic times when, as time goes on, I think people are willing to forgive and forget and default to the good, which I think is good. And I'm just looking at some of the texts that are coming, and a lot of them um, are young, 37 years old, loves Sammy, can look past all the things Grody just mentioned, uh, too young and starstruck to care about PEDs when I was watching back then. I love Sammy Sosa. Um, and then this guy, I'm 47, Cub fan, was a huge Sosa fan. He looks like a he looks like a vampire now, but he deserves to be honored as an all-time <laughs> Cub great. If if I had like the yes or no vote, I'd say bring him back. I mean, who who are we to uh, like demand apologies, you know, from people unless somebody was actually physically hurt, you know? So I'd be in favor um, of that if I if I could see Kerry Wood smash his boombox at the Cub convention, I'm all for bringing him back. <laughs> But have the kids line up, have an exhibit, smash yeah, the boombox. Yeah, that's box. it. Yeah, an interactive boom. You get to smash a boombox. That would be great. Mm-hmm. You know right? how much money could how much money could the Cubs raise for COVID nineteen in addition to their other efforts like what Anthony Rizzo's doing? How much if you had a smash a boombox? Um, if it you you pay money, you get to smash Sammy's boombox, and the money would go to help the COVID nineteen efforts. Smash the boombox and uh, over here, cork the right, bat over the there. Virus. I love it. Yeah, and smash the virus. Yes. Smash the boombox, smash the virus. We are marketing Boom. geniuses, you know? That's us. Or not. That's what we do. I You're welcome. We sh- That's right. We're pleasers, not teasers. And right now we're going to take mm-hmm. a break. Grody, Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, and all of the brilliance associated with that. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosen, Lamar Crody with you. Wrapping up another Saturday suckage. Soon we will, um, for your listening pleasure, we want to let you know that tomorrow, Matt Spiegel will be on Hit and Run, and he'll be doing that from 9 to noon. At noon will be the Bears... Lions replay, Bears 37, Lions 13, November 13, 2011. Bears picked off Matt Stafford four times. Peanut Tillman and, get a load of this, Major Wright with pick sixes. That's that's on Sunday. On Monday, your programming notes include this. Our beloved Doug Buffon. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we celebrated the life of Doug Buffon as his anniversary of his, his fifth anniversary of his death past will play back the great tribute that was produced in his honor from six to seven seven o'clock super bowl 23 san francisco at cincinnati and for your listening pleasure mark grody and his and his make a list start an argument make a list have an argument on a podcast share with the class mark Yes, it is my podcast that I do with my buddy Brian Mitchell. is called Let Me Put a List Together. Conceptually unoriginal, but our lists are hilarious, and we have a lot of fun with it. We've done top 10 SNL cast members of the 90s, top 10 late-night hosts, top 10 80s sitcoms, and then the latest one we did was top 10 one-hit wonders from the 90s, including great songs like How Bizarre, By the Rights, 
Um, so please, you will you will love the the breakdown of those, and love it if you give us your honest opinion of the show. Let me put a list together. We got a Twitter page for it. I usually link it to my bio, like on Facebook and Twitter. You can't do it on Instagram, but we plug it there as well. So let me put a list together. And Steve, while you were doing a wonderful job of giving the upcoming shows that will be occurring on the score, you breezed right past the fact that after the Bears game tomorrow that went over the Lions from 2011, I will be hosting all by myself up until 7 o'clock. So from right around 4 o'clock till 7 o'clock, you get solo Grody. I would have happily said that had I known it, but of the 85,000 emails I got about scheduling... Spilkus didn't put that one in, so uh, you'll be you'll be there Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. doing Bears post game essentially, and uh, I will be and yes and and moving along and Bears draft and and doing all of the other things, my friends. Well, and guess you know, what? I'm we did the on that show on Solo Grody tomorrow. Yes, there will be a lot of Bears talk, and I am lining up the one and only Les Grobstein because he will be my my last dance correspondent because, of course, the last dance is tomorrow. So who better than a guy who reported from those Bulls games home and road than the great Les Grobstein to join me at some point tomorrow during Solo Grody? Yeah, you know, the 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 it looks like it's going to be, from what I understand, it, it's going to be the, um, the dream team. And this is where you're going to get a look at um, some of the early aggravation with Tony Kukoc. So you have the dream team, and then moving along, I'm not sure what else they're going to do. The, there are times where this timeline just doesn't make sense to me. They bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad they put it on the screen. I could see that. Okay, here's where we are, and I can do that. But the one thing I've surprised in all of Michael's hatred that apparently still burns, his hatred for Isaiah Thomas, which I applaud, you just can't hate that man enough. And I love his comment about, I don't care what you show me, you won't convince me that he's not a, a rectum. Only Michael didn't say that. Um, that the point that Isaiah was not on the dream team, and it was coached by Chuck Daly, his Pistons coach. And they didn't go back to part of what I believe started much of Michael's hatred. They did not deal with the fact that he was iced out of the his first All-Star game and that Isaiah was believed to be the, the lead conspirator of all the co-conspirators. He decided that, that the young guy needed to be taught a lesson, and they iced him out of that All-Star game, and Michael, as you can tell, has quite a memory. He just doesn't forget. He doesn't seem to forgive, and... That seemed to, the arc of being iced out when he was becoming Michael Jordan in the NBA, iced out of that All-Star game and wasn't going to touch the ball, to now here's the dream team and you're not going to be on it, Isaiah, or I won't play, and there was no chance that Michael they were going to allow Michael Jordan not to play. I'm surprised they didn't deal with that angle. Yeah, and I wonder if they still will because, as you said, they do jump around the only thing i don't know would that be something that michael would have said he didn't want to be a part of it would he have that just because of the pride factor like somebody froze me out kind of thing or no 
Yeah, he, he well, he's... I know he I, had control I, of the video, but does he actually have control of the content? What is actually well, I, said? As far as I can tell, he has control of the content. I mean, he's got too big of a voice not to. Yeah, that and, might be something that like it would hurt his ego to have people remember that or understand that that Isaiah had more power than Michael at the time. And by the way, of course I'm Team MJ, but Isaiah Thomas should have been on the Dream Team. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with fights. I'm I, you know I got my popcorn ready with whatever's going on. I'm I'm with it, and it was never. It's not like the result was ever going to be in danger. And everybody who was there tells you that the the practices were tougher than the games. And then you go, Charles Barkley is elbowing an Angolan. And guys were, <laughs> and Arturis Karnashovas was out there to say, they were all one of their pictures taken. Hey, you beat me by 50 points. Can I get your my picture taken with you? Can I have your autograph? Like in mid-dunk, they want to get Jordan's autograph where they right. want to be posterized by him. So it was, it was never about that. It was, it was like a funhouse museum. Here, how bad can I look? I'd be Anyways. like meeting Mike Tyson. Punch me out. Come on, do yeah, it. Punch sure. me out. Hey. Go ahead, do the thing. Yeah. So, well, we will see what we will see tomorrow on The Last Dance. We'll discuss it next Saturday. Mark Grody on after tomorrow's Bears game. And he's with Les Grobstein. That's, how do you spell that last name, Mark? G-R-O-B-Steen. There you go. I want to thank Lawrence Holmes joining us today. He's on from noon to 2, Monday through Friday on The Score. I want to thank J.J. Stankovitz and whatever epic poop situation he was dealing with. I want to thank Adam Studzinski for pulling this all together, for holding the diaper. Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer are next in Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.